My people, what up, though? We back with another episode of All Black Men Need Therapy. My name is Chief. And I'm Bell. My name is Prentice. And we in studio, and it feels good, and I'm excited. I'm still rolling with the, you know, the good, the good juju and the good vibes. Fellas, what's happening? P, check in. Actually, I'm going to check in first. You want to check Boom. in first? Yeah. Go ahead. You're not reading the script. <laughs> I'm not reading the script. Yeah. <laughs> um, my check in, man. Um, I'm good, man. It's, it's, you know, it's funny because I think about the episodes we'd be recording and how my check-ins, like, because I, I, I go back and watch the episodes. I know y'all don't go back and watch them, but I go back and watch some of them sometimes. And I, no, that's not a shot. Like, I, that's not, I'm not, that's not a shot. It's it's a, shot. It's a, it's a, it's a, it sounds like, like no, a shot. No, no, it wasn't a shot. It wasn't a shot. Like, I don't, I do it sometimes to just, um, quite honestly, to see how, how my mic sounds, Pause. So that's sometimes I do it like that. But um, anyway, I was just going, I was watching some of one, a couple of the episodes because we, we're so far ahead. That's the other thing. Like, so yeah. the episodes yeah. is like from a while ago. I'm like, damn, I sound completely, I'm checking, I sound completely different today than I did now, which is actually, now that I think about this, a good lead into the conversation. But there was a period of check ins where I was, what I now understand to be depressed, right, for like a few months. Oh, and like just in your delivery, like demeanor. The, the, the state I was in at that time when we were oh. recording, you know what I'm saying? And now I look back and I, and I watch them, I'm like, oh, wow. Like I'm obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but I'm out of it now. But, um, but, I, I, but anyway, my point is I'm in a good spot. I feel good. We're back in um, Marco Studios. Shout out to Pat Capra, Marco Sports, Marco Media. Um, back making it happen again. Um, but yeah, I'm just blessed, man. I'm blessed. That's, that's, that's how I can sum it up. I'm blessed. I got, I got some work getting done at my house. Um, we had an interior designer come through. I don't even want to talk about it, but, um, <laughs> everything's going to look good when it's all said and done. So I'm blessed. I, I feel Word. good. No doubt. P, check in. Talk to us. I'm good, man. I'm feeling enlightened. Um, I'm a lot more aware of my energy. I'm aware of my surroundings and uh yeah i like i like how my perspective on life is right now in comparison to like a few months ago i think i got a much healthier perspective and i'm seeing things in a way that uh that i need to view them you know what i mean that are helpful for everybody around me not not myself as the priority even though i am the priority um I feel like my vision and my insight right now is going to be beneficial for my family. So mm. I'm. That's what's up. Yeah, yeah. I'm proud That's of real that. That's good, man. So in my case, man, all is well. I did get uh, the, the my my uh, results back from the my admin certification. I came up short on a, on like two different parts. So I oh gotta, wow! Yeah, we didn't talk yeah, about yeah, that. So I just got, we got it last night on the ride. Oh wow! On the last night on the ride, so I got to look back at that and they give you a detailed thing of what you did wrong, and you kind of got to just make edits and do it all again. But what I found out was you can't just make you got to make the edits and pay that one fifty again to sub, to resubmit it each section. So so three hundred. Yeah. So another. That's not terrible. No, no, it's not terrible. Yeah. And so it ain't it ain't gonna kill me, but that it was bothersome because I was hoping to just get it out the way. And how you long can they re-review it? Or how so long it's before they the only it. time you can submit is but within these certain periods. I got to look at when the next submission is, and you got to submit thought. before that date, and you get your results a month and a half later. Again, so it's another oh, wow. extended time. So yeah, wow. so it, but it, it obviously to be done before next school year, which will still allow me to have all the certifications. But so that was kind of a that was a kind of a gut shot for me. But um, and, and what what does, do people normally one and done, or is it they? I so from what I heard, no. Okay. So okay. I'm not you know I'm not you know. Uh, uh, 
isolated right here in this situation. It happens to most of the people, but yeah. either way, I was, I mean, I At made least sure. you know. Right, I mean, I made yeah. sure I checked everything on the list, but I guess, you know, they like what they like and they want what they want, so that was a little setback. But outside of that, man, everything is everything is on the up and up and moving in a, in a good direction. Kids are happy and healthy. I know I say that damn near every check-in, but. Well, I mean, that's I mean, a yo, blessing. That's, that's a, yeah, a blessing. That's a great to thing to repeat. That. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, outside of that, man, all is well. I just, uh, I don't know if I told you, Pete, but I just took my mom to um, Orlando. To, to Orlando, but like just like seeing Shorty smile and like watching her. Like my mom's type of person. Like when she cries, like when she laughs, she cries. Mm -hmm. So she spent the whole weekend crying, laughing, and she actually like spit up her water like on three different occasions because something funny happened. So it was just a, it was just a real good time to like hang out and just get out of the element. She got some time to rest, so that was that was cool, man. But outside of that, everything is like really, really dope. Everything's moving in a, moving dope. in a good direction. So uh, today's topic: depression is a luxury. We got this from this clip that we'll play, and um, it's 50 Cent talking about how depression is a luxury. I think the things you go through make you who you are. Mm -hmm. And in my journey, like there's certain things that I, I'm not really, I don't even let it into my system like that. Like, if, like I think depression is a luxury. Wow. Because where I'm from, you can't afford to be depressed. You got to pay the bill, right? Right. So you gotta go to work. You gotta get up. You gotta go do what you gotta do. You might don't. You got people right now that's at work don't feel like being there, mm -hmm. but they got responsibilities. So they yes, go. Sir. They feel uncomfortable while they're working. Why they doing what they gotta do? Like and at, when these guys get in a slump and they just decide that they're not gonna do anything. I'm like, where they do that at? Right. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even when you're on the street, you got a pack. You just decide not to come outside. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna beat you. You're gonna beat to death. Wait till you come out. So before we get into to, um, the episode, just as a, uh, from a definition standpoint, depression is a condition of general emotion, dejection, and withdrawal. Sadness greater and more prolonged than warranted by any objective reason. A low state of vital powers of functional activity. So, and just from some stats, uh, approximately 9.5% of the U.S. population, which is a, almost... 16.6 uh, American adult ages 18 and over will suffer from depression, illness, major depression, bipolar disorder um, each year. Women are nearly twice as likely to suffer from major depression than men. However, men and women are equally likely to develop, develop bipolar disorder. So, yeah, so those alarming statistics, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I think that episode on... Um, on Big Boy's uh, station with Fifth, he was saying depression is a luxury because there's a population of people that he feels don't have the luxury to be depressed, right? They have to still keep going forward because they don't have any other choice. So that's today's topic, topic right? The, is depression a luxury? So hearing hearing the initially, like when I just said today's topic, depression is a luxury, I'm pretty sure we got a couple side eyes and heads turning because like, when I heard it, I'm like low key. I don't want to say offended, but like mm -hmm. I'm, it's, it's bothersome to me. Like, what, yeah. what the fuck you mean? It's a luxury. Like, you know what I'm saying? But in that, in that context, I mean, it, it does make sense. But even for those who have to keep going, ain't nothing luxurious about it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like having to having to push through depression is terrible, bro. And obviously, you guys know I, it comes from from very, very, very personal reasonings for me, but. In in the middle of it, I think for those of us, 
I, I didn't know them, but for those of us who are who are aware, we're going through. I mean, so real quick, do you think most people in the middle of a depression can identify that they're going through that depression? No. I just got out of one, and I can tell you firsthand, I didn't know I was in one till I got out. Right. So in my case, and in my case, with something being so traumatic, and so, and so, and so sudden, you know what I'm saying? Even with that. I still didn't identify it as, as depression in the moment. And, and for those of you, I mean, if you're watching the podcast, you know, for those who don't, um, in 2009, my younger brother was murdered. And it was by far the most difficult situation I ever had to go through. And two and a half years later, I'm, I'm coming out on top of it. And I'm, and I'm looking back at it thinking that it was just normal. It's supposed to Grief. happen. This is what yeah. happened when your brother when your brother gets murdered. You're supposed to be sad. You're supposed to feel this way. But it was actually a two and a half year depression that I was in, and it took the birth of my daughter and creating my play to kind of get me out of the funk. I wrote it out, and just you know, knowing that I have something else to live for was kind of like what catapulted me out of the depression. But so when you def- when you label it as a luxury, it's kind of like dude, there wasn't nothing luxurious about that two and a half years, bro. Like nothing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like from all, I mean, in, in in all aspects, from work to relationship to family to just all of it, everything just felt like it was just like here. There was no, <laughs> there was no yeah. up. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I don't, and again, fifth, fifth smart, right? So he, he, he says things to provoke conversation. And here, here's my take, right? Like, I don't believe depression is a luxury, period. I do believe it's a luxury to be, to be able to address it medically, right? And here's why I say that. In the black community, it's been proven that depression lasts longer, right? Really? It's been proven, right? I got it from, uh, what's this, uh, addiction, traumatic stress disorder. No, sorry. Where did I get it from? I got it from medical news today. Is that like a socioeconomic thing where we just don't, like... So here, I'll read it. It says, most studies find that when black people do develop depression, the condition lasts longer. They may also be more likely to have co-occurring diagnoses, such as addiction, post-traumatic stress disorder, and generalized anxiety disorder. Racism and stigma within the medical or mental health profession may intensify the effects of depression. Doctors and other care providers provide low, lower rates of treatment for black people with depression than their white peers, right? Um, so that as a, as a natural construct puts us behind the eight ball. So that's where that, my opinion, that's where Fifth was coming from with that comment, where depression is a luxury. Mm-hmm. Here's why I say that, right? Chief, if you were in a, if you, come, if you came from a well-educated, well-off family, right that had the resources to identify these things and to treat these things in real time you would have gotten that treated in real time as opposed to you having to basically thug it out right so what i'm hearing though too like it's crazy because i i'm firmly aware that i have ptsd regarding that situation but i attribute it to the circumstances and not necessarily the depression that follow the circumstances. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Be- because you, you don't want to succumb to the stigma of being... Because de- in my opinion, right, me, just me, I look at when I'm depressed, the reason why I don't identify it or can't identify it is because I look at it as a weakness. Hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I, for me, I'm like, nah, yep. you're stronger than that. Mm-hmm. Right? So I push through and not address the real issue. Mm-hmm. So although our depressions, where the circumstances are different, yeah. pushing through, obviously you do what you got to do on a day-to-day. You're going to work, you're raising children, you're taking care of family. Do you feel, did you go home or when all that was done, did you sit in that depression then? Because I did the same thing. I pushed through and thought I was okay and thought everything yeah. was fine. But, you know what I'm saying, until, like, the light bulb went off, it was like, oh, like, no, I didn't, you feel I didn't, different. You know what I'm saying? For me, it was just a natural state. So it wasn't like when I stopped doing something, I feel depressed. Mm-hmm. Where, where I realized after the fact is how I talk to myself. Mm. Right? In, in the depression, you mean? Yeah. Or like after? Yeah. Like, Napoleon Hill says, um... There's three main things that hold people back. Poverty, superstition, and education. He was like, people often focus on what they don't have instead of focusing on what they want or where they're going. Mm -hmm. Right? So when you focus on what you don't have, those three things, you can stay in that same place. So when I, and again, this is just me knowing this from reading and doing some self-work, right? So when 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 I was starting to come out of it, I'm like, bro, that's me. I'm over here focusing on everything that was done wrong to me or not given to me or not allowed for me to participate in as opposed to what I need to do to get right. Right. right? So that brought me to a place like a dark place where I was just like you couldn't bring certain individuals names up around me based on what I felt they how they treated me. You see what I'm saying? So and what I realized is it had more to like my circumstances had more to do with me than them because I was focusing on the wrong things, right? If, if somebody's not going to help you, cool, figure this shit out. Whereas I just said, well, I guess, yeah, I guess I just sat in that space of not having. Yeah, so I hear what you're saying, and, <laughs> and I, I agree with the sentiment because I, once I started to do more reading on how to cope with grief and, and get out of that, I started to make my, my, my climb out of it. I don't feel like I just feel like the timeline behind it because I, what would you what you spend in, in would you say in your like the timeline in your phase of depression like how long I mean honestly bro it's probably like leading up to my surgery so I would say probably October to February okay so a couple months yeah a couple months like, yeah, yeah so November but, November November, November this shit like like literally legitimately two and a half years I can't remember like I almost can identify the moment where like it was literally like <laughs> it's like opening your eyes and like the lights are on now mm-hmm. like it was literally like walking out of like waking up to the light instead of like and coming out of the darkness for me yeah. and it's and it's bugged out but it took two and a half years like does that like i don't know if that's no i guess i don't know if normal is the word to put no no like, i mean the depression has no bounds but so when you think like fuck out here you was depressed for two and a half years bro like you couldn't right. get it together in two and a half years you know what i'm saying like, that's a long time fam. Yeah. but that but from that regard i don't feel like it's a but the Again, it's all a matter of interpretation, right? You didn't stop doing what you were doing, right? You, you, you may have not have done it to the quality or level that you or capacity that you would normally do it because you had people that were counted on you, you know what I'm saying? But I think, I, and again, I don't know, but I think maybe what Fifth may, may be saying too is like to treat your depression, like it's I said, mentally is a luxury, right? To, to admit yourself somewhere is a luxury, you know what I'm saying? Like you have the means, but... Go ahead, Prentice. I want I want to hear from you. I feel like uh, 
I feel like Fifth is, is smart enough to know exactly what he says when he says oh, it. Oh, 100%. Right? So I think he meant that. And I think it's interesting when you hear people speak about depression from a space of current success. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like like what I was listening to when I listened to him talk about depression as a luxury, I felt like he was talking about that from a space of being successful because he brought up a lot how people who are depressed, how it's, it's a luxury, how people have to keep going. We all have to keep going. Right. The quality of how we keep going is what changes. You know what I mean? It, it slows down when you're depressed, but if you're alive, time keeps going. So we all are going in some sense of form. I think the problem is sometimes when you speak from a space of success, and you start talking about how people got a, these responsibilities and this and that, we're all always going through with that. But I think sometimes we normalize the depression, right? We use the fact that we have to keep going to justify not staying still to treat something that's gonna make you better. So I took it as um, somebody who was speaking from the space of success, not necessarily treating anything and somebody who found an effective way to normalize whatever depression they've had to justify why they're not necessarily treating it. Because saying that it's a luxury and people have to keep going is a cop-out to me. It sounds like an excuse. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know that he's saying people have to keep going. I, I think what he, said, what he said was people do keep going, mm -hmm. right? People do keep going when they don't have the luxury. But I, I only challenge this in one way, Prentice. Success is relative. Right. Right. So people may deem me successful. People may deem you successful. People definitely deem him successful. Right. So, but we've all experienced depression. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, for you to say or for me to say, like, that's coming from a place of success. But people at every level have depression. Right. right? You, you you know that. Right? right. So, but I don't know that it has to do. The only thing I'll say is this: socioeconomic status doesn't determine whether or not you're going to go through depression, it could mm -hmm. determine how you handle it. Right. That's what I'll say. Mm -hmm. Right. Agree. Absolutely. Not, not how you endure it, but how you handle it. Right. Like if fifth, if fifth is um, in tuned enough with himself and goes into a, a state of depression, he has the resources to get the best treatment and or um, help to do his best to come out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think when he says, it's a luxury. That's a luxury he's now afforded. He could. He could do that. Mm -hmm. The working mom on Jamaica Ave, she can't do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like she doesn't have she that luxury. Right. That's why I say from from like being able to deal with it from a medical standpoint, mm -hmm. that's the luxury piece. Yeah, I get that. I, I just feel like in in at it at its core, it has to be treated. Like you you have to treat your depression, and I don't think there is. In hindsight, I don't. I don't think there is a very valid excuse to not treat your depression. You can't. If you don't know, you, if you don't know, you don't know. If you don't like, know, you're depressed. You can't treat it. Be like I would. So here's the thing. Like, again, yeah, yeah, I just I attribute that. it to the traumatic experience. But right. I would like. So my brothers in the military. I coached basketball. I had to no bullshit. I had to walk out of the gym every game when they played the national anthem because the national anthem made me cry. And at no point did I think, oh, you're depressed. Because we're normalizing. We're just going through something in the moment that we have to figure out how to get past or to get through it. You know what I mean? Like we can't. And so in that sense, I get it. You got to keep going. You can't 
you know, like in a moment where it hits you, you're just trying to overcome whatever feelings these are right here so you can keep going about your day. You know what so, I'm saying? So how do we know when every day feels the same? That's that's the trick. I remember that from your poem. What's that? Every day feels the same. Yeah, every, yeah. every day feels the same, bro. Like I, don't, I don't know because I think I, I, parts of me feel like I'm still in a depressive state. You know what I mean? But parts of me feel like I'm coming out because I feel like, like you said, that light switch, right? Mm -hmm. So the light switch comes on, but when the light switch comes on and you start to reflect, some of that shit I'm reflecting on still is fucking with me right now. So I'm wondering, yo, can I possibly still be depressed? But, but in the middle of that, we talked about successes. In the middle of that, you booking a gig over here, you flying across the country, you performing for this person. I'm in London. Right. For, I'm in London performing, but... But my question is, can you appreciate those things during a depressive state? It's 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 a lot more difficult depending on the conversation. Like you said, the conversations you're having with yourself. Yeah. The conversations you're having with yourself can matter because Lord knows I got things I'm going through right now that I'm tackling and dealing with personally. But I need to understand that, like we was just saying off off camera, I understand you. you I think you were using the restroom. I was telling Chief, like. I understand that right now my life is about sowing seeds, right? Um, and it's not about the reward and reaping the benefit of it right now. You know, I understand that there's certain work that I have to put in to get certain results. So right now I'm able to recognize, despite what I'm going through personally in life and that I'm dealing with, the blessings, right? And recognizing those blessings are helping me and reminding me that I'm on some type of right path, despite the changes internally, I may not have fixed already. You know what I'm saying? But I think there are signs and, and, and you know, breadcrumbs that can be given to you in life if you're aware enough to see them. I didn't pick up on none. And I'm just, I'm just, I get again, it. because yeah. my, maybe again, maybe it's just a traumatic behind it, but like I didn't pick up on any of that shit. Like I'm, like I, I went, that was like right around the time when I went to Finland and, and yep. performing. I'm like, poetry took me across the fucking overseas. Right, but you can't and enjoy at no it. point was it like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, here, here's a take, right? Maybe, just maybe, you have to go through it, right? Maybe it's not like, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, maybe it's not like, okay, boom, you're depressed. Let's, let's solve it. Maybe it's like, no, no, you got to go through this for a period, right? So you can come out stronger on the other side. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. But, like, and there's people that live in a state of depression. So let me just be very clear. Right. So, right? so, yeah. there's, so there's people yeah. who so, live in a state okay. of depression. And, that, and that, when, I, when I talk about my two and a half years, like, there are people who literally. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's their. But that's living in it That's too, their though. norm. You know what I'm saying? So, and they and, and those individuals, they learn to deal with it. However they deal with it. Right? Do I have a friend. Know? Huh? Do they know? I mean, a lot of them are on medication. Subjective. So, yeah. There's right? That. There is that. A lot of them are on medication. There is that. You know, because. I mean, where do you think the statistics come from, right? Like, it's this, the, the statistics come, there's a large part of that of, of who's being medicated, right? Like, that's how they get a lot of these numbers. I have a friend, um, they were telling me, like, they naturally have anxiety, mm -hmm. naturally. But it, it, it spurts, right? Like, it, it, it doesn't, they were like, they can feel it happening when they find themselves having trouble making a decision, right? Like, where should I go eat? I don't think maybe I'll go there. Where, where, where should I stay when I go on this work trip? Well, I don't know. And, and, and that's the trigger for them to understand, like, okay, my anxiety starting to flare up. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, my anxiety starting to happen. And then they have different coping mechanisms to help them get through it. You know what I'm saying? But 
again, I don't, I'm not a depression expert, but I, I feel that everybody <laughs> will experience it. No, mm -hmm. for, for sure. So I, I, the note I just took was you talked about like people having the medication and going through it. And I know depression is like a, a hard feat for people to get through, but just the way I'm wired and I believe you're, we're pretty much wired the same in terms of like if, if someone told you in the middle of your depression, you're depressed, you're like, oh, I got to get this right. It's time to go. Let me get my book. Let me get my therapist. Let me do whatever I got to do to get me out of here. I wouldn't have had that response. I wouldn't have either. I'd let me fuck out of Ain't nobody depressed. That would have been my response. I would have got, I would have probably became <laughs> even more upset. Defensive. You, yeah. No, not defensive. Like, fuck. Are you, like, more depressed? Yeah. <laughs> like, shit, I am depressed. Damn, I'm depressed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think I think it would affect it me. Like, I now I, I got to deal with the, the reality of identifying that I'm depressed. So it would have been similar to, like, fuck, I'm not depressed. Oh, am I really depressed? I would have got to figure out. I would have been like, yo, we got to figure out how to get out of this because I'm not about to sit here and do this shit. I've been through I, that before. I, I would have had that conversation, right but it there. wouldn't have been in real time. Yeah. Like, my first response, man, nobody depressed. Because, again, how I conceptualize depression is, like, weak weakness for me. Doesn't mean I'm not going to be depressed. I'm going to be depressed. But it's, like, for me, I can't see myself being depressed regardless if I am or I'm not. That's why, for me, I can't identify it until it's over. Mm. Does, it, does it matter who it comes from? Because I think we do a good job of what listening to, to like listening to one another. So if I go pee, man, like you ain't been the same lately. Like I'm feeling like you might be depressed, bro. And then you go, oh shit, maybe I am. If I said mm -hmm. the same thing to you, you're gonna be like, fuck out of here, I'm not depressed. You might be like, well, this nigga pee. He don't never say no shit like that to me. He, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't, no, I don't think, no. I, you're right. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have had. You can't tell me I'm depressed. You gotta ask me. Okay, I see what you're saying. You know what I'm so, saying? Like, so, so to my point, yeah. Mm -hmm. If the, the masses observe you in a space of depression and go, bell, like. You sure everything's okay? Like it feels like whatever. At that point, are you not like just instantly triggered to be like, let me let me get a book, let me get a therapist, let me do some digs, no, some I'm, digging. No, I'm telling you, in on. real time, I am defending myself. Ain't nobody depressed. When I leave that environment, I'll reflect. But in front of you, no, I'm not about to show weakness. Again, that's how I view it, bro. I view it as weakness. And again, I know it's it's a clinical diagnosis. It's not a weakness. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, for me, that's how I view it. And I'm not about to be weak in front of you. So here, so here's the thing. Like, it's crazy because I share a similar mentality in that. But I've also, the combination of the both of you, I share the mentality of like, anybody depressed. But I also have no problem standing firm in that and acknowledging that I'm depressed and verbalizing that to whomever and being like, yeah, I'm, I'm in this space right now, but I'm getting out of it. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I, I know, one million percent. Like, I should also say for the record, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, I've only been in a state of depression three times in my life. I know for a fact I've been depressed more than that. But in terms of like a long period, like it's only been three times in my life. And, and ironically, it was they were 10 years apart. Each of them. We talked about that. Yeah. So. Um, so my so it doesn't I don't go into a state of depression often. So my, my natural tendency is, is to be defensive. Now, if you were or apprentice or one of y'all said it, I would have to take it into consideration. Like, I don't believe I would be defensive. Mm -hmm. If my mom said it, I don't think I would be defensive, right? Because she battles depression, right? So she's medicated, right? So she, she understands what it looks like, and she knows me better than most, right? So if she sees something that off with me, I got to take that into consideration. My boss said, I'm no. Nobody depressed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you? It's funny you mention that, like, cause so you can identify like the three specific moments outside of the situation with my brother. I can't really, 
I mean, I'm certain it's happened. Mm-hmm. But I can't be like, yeah, I was depressed during this phase or during that phase. I can't. Like, I honest to God, can't. You know what just came up for me that I just now thought about? When justice got taken from me, when the courts let him move with his mom, when she had no job, no nothing, I was fully employed, and they let him to move to Florida, I had to have been depressed. Had to. Like my, my, I don't see my how first you couldn't trip. be. Yeah, I don't tell you couldn't be. I'm just thinking about this right now in this moment about that. I had to be depressed. I don't even know how long because he was gone from me. I was doing that back and forth shit for what, 10 and a half, 11 years. So and I it? hated it every single day of my life. So I wonder, I may have normalized it. You know what I'm saying? Like I may have. I had to have normal. So did you do you think that like that light came on when you picked him up and had him for that week or two and then it kinda dimmered down and then you kinda played that game for a while? Because Or did the light come on when you got him full time again? Well no, that happened for sure. Yeah, well shit, I'm just thinking about it just now. I have not considered the idea of me and depression and my son living across country for all them years and me having visitation and shit. I never considered depression as a part of the component. I always knew that I always told myself every day I'm going to get my son, and I knew it sucked every day. Yo. And I knew I hated it every day. That speaks to the luxury. Explain Give me more. You didn't know it was an option. What? To, to be depressed. It, it wasn't an option. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's, that's all I'm saying. Like, it wasn't, that, it wasn't, it wasn't an fit, option. But at the same time, it, probably, it, it had to exist. I'm sure and it I had did. to be living I'm in it, sh- I'm but sure it mentally did. it wasn't an option. I'm sure it so was. So I, I think it's probably possible, and it's, we're talking about black men. Uh, I mean, and we haven't even addressed that yet in talking about depression. Uh, there are so many different components that pop up for us in our daily lives that can easily lead to us being depressed to no fault of our own. Elliot Connie had a, had a um, psychotherapist that we, we referenced last episode. He, um, he tours the country, the world, and speaks and everything like that. And he said one of his white colleagues, woman, that is like like stellar in their field, like highly respected. She said to him, she's like, because he says that black men suffer trauma every single day. Yeah. And she's like, you don't believe that, do you? And he's like, I'm tired of having to explain this. He's like, if I, he gave her examples. If I lock you in a room with a venomous snake and that snake doesn't bite you for 11 days. Is the time that you got bit the only time you experienced trauma? Hmm. Damn, that's a great analogy. Right? It's like, that's no, you experienced trauma the day you got locked in that fucking room. Yep. Because you're trying to avoid this venomous snake. Uh-huh. That's trauma. Right? And, and, he, and he said that that's what black men deal with on a daily basis. So, to your point... It's a natural tendency for us to, this is going back to the study, to, to normalize it, which is why they say black people go through it longer. Because mm. our, our circumstances out the gate are so fucked up. They are. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, and, and like, the, my it's, bad. it's like what you got to, like what you're comparing it to. Uh-huh. You know and, what I'm saying? And I think a lot of us as black men, we're groomed to prepare for fucking war. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're right. groomed for that shit. Right. So right. at a young age, I think seeds yeah. are being planted in our mind that we're going to hit not. a space of depression at some point. We're, we're taught, and then naturally when you get out there into the world, 
you got to put on an extra coat of armor just because of how you were born, right? But think about how you mentioned us being groomed. And I don't know why, but I just got hella emotional thinking about, like, like justice being across the country. That shit, like, really, like, I don't know. It just Yeah, that shit fucking sucked. No, but, like, I just... I, you can't imagine being that far from your oh kids. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. like, it's yo. torture every fucking day. Fam, every fucking even. day. And everything that happens in his development, you're happy about and depressed as fuck because you're not there. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't, That shit, like, I don't, I don't know why it just hit me in a day. You know what I mean? And it can make you, it can make you complacent and now that i think about it i was getting i was getting unemployment on purpose trying to hustle unemployment and poetry because i couldn't work when he was in town and i'd have him uh, for four to six weeks at a time and i just refused to work i refused to work i fucking refused to work when i had him so i had to figure out a way to to pay the bills so try to do this poetry and keep this unemployment check as long as i can because there's no way in the world I'm about to have a full-time a job when I only have my son four to six weeks at a fucking time or, or two to five weeks. You know what I'm saying? So when I think about it, yeah, I think when I finally got him, the weight definitely got lifted. And I feel like every day now is rehabilitation. You know what I'm saying? Like I just did this. I just chaperoned this eighth grade dance last Saw Friday. That. Saw that. Shout out That's to you, dope. Bro. That shit was fun in the motherfucker. Shout yeah. out to you, bro, bro. I was up there dancing. I was I was in the corner. You know, I wasn't embarrassing him or nothing like that. I was chilling, but I was so happy because I was like, this is a shit I thought about all the time that I'm finally get to do. So I feel like I feel like right now I'm still working my way out of the fatherhood. Damn, this is crazy talking about this shit because I've never considered this till now. I feel like I'm still working my way out of the fatherhood scope of my depression because I'm just now starting to have um, these moments that I've been envisioning. You know, like football. You remember you went to the game? Um, his first year of football for Justice and Tip, bro, the, the coaches hated me. The coaches hated me. You paid us to coach your son. Let us coach your son. You know, yeah. I know you want him this to do. running touchdowns with him up and down the sideline. I'm like. doing. All, I've never done it before. This is my first time in life, and my son is 13 years old, and he's playing football. And I played football when I was little. This is a monument. Every fucking Sunday is the Super Bowl. You mm. know what I'm saying? I got my dad jersey on with his number and Tahir's number on. They don't understand that. They just see a parent who's overly involved and doesn't know how to, you know, respect <laughs> boundaries. You know what I mean? And I had to tell them, like, yo, I got you. I, I hear you. But I've never done this before, bro. Like, he just got with me last year. And the first thing we did was sign up for football. And he's in football. So I'm going to just let you know now. I'm going to try to stay off the field. <laughs> you know? Respect your boundaries. But that's the best you're going to get from me. I'm going to be yelling. I'm going to be screaming. I'm going to be hyping them. And ain't nobody taking that shit away yeah, from me. So I was, it's crazy. I was talking to E about this. We may need to get E on him. My man, one of my other really, really good friends, his, uh, he sent me a video. His, I take his daughter and my daughter to batting lessons. And his, mm -hmm. daughter, his daughter hit a home run the other day. Mm -hmm. And he's recording the whole thing. And I barely heard him. Like, you ain't hype enough for me, bro. Like, you, right, like, right. Like, quiet. Like, you, ain't, you ain't doing this enough. I can hear me, the bro. audience. But um, we talked about you talked about being groomed into like to groom to like overcome that. And what thought, what came to my mind was like it's sometimes it's subconscious grooming. Like it's not even a direct teaching. It's just the environment we're placed in says society says this is how we move and we don't get depressed. Yeah. Like no one's ever said that to us when we were younger. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't get depressed in this house. That, that's not a, that's not an option for mm -hmm. us. 
it's just how yeah. we've seen the people move and like how we it was ingrained in us that kind of like you got to overcome it. Like, ain't no time to pout. Like, yeah, but that's not the answer either. No, no, no. no. I'm yeah. not saying, yeah. but we yeah. talk about how it's groomed. But I'm like, yeah. uh, it's I'm like it's primarily subconscious grooming. Like we don't. Wow. It is in our music. Like it's, we oh, get paid and we get put on platforms for our depression and our ability wow. to articulate our wow. depression. Wow. We in particular. Yeah, that's what think I'm about saying. It happens even We've more so with up poets. depression. It happens even our more music. so with us because the heavy shit is what gets the crowds in, in, in tune. And we, we say talk. the words. We know all the words. We've grown up on depression if you think about it. Yeah. It's I mean, dying, sick. Oh but that's God. that's the thing. It's, it's that they, 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 the uh, study talks about being passed down. Right? Yeah. Like it's like you, well, one, there are studies that depression um, can be like hereditary, right? Like if you, if your mom has it, your dad has it, you're more than likely to have it, right? Yeah. So there's that. Then you got what 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 ends up happening is we we uh, trauma bond, yeah, right. That's, I, think, I honestly think that's how me and this thing got started. Yeah, I, really think, got, I think so. I think we trauma bond because. Your situation fucked up. Oh, shit, my situation fucked up too. Let's talk about fucked up. It is. Yeah. Best friends. Like, Isn't that how it happened, people? Yeah. yeah. It's like, you in the projects, well, I'm in the projects too. What, what, what floor are you on? All right, but let's, let's. So, what happens is you don't know or see any other way. Yeah. Right? So, because I, I, I tell myself this a lot. Perfect example, right? I have a, um, my, 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 my former, former, um, I'll just say he's a, he's a, He's a, a mentor of mine and a colleague. And um, he had a situation where he had to move his kids through multiple schools, right, and multiple moves and stuff like that. And he was so worried about, like, what this is going to do to his kids, mm -hmm. right? Now, mind you, right, just perspective. Right. Like, oh. right. He, 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 um, he, he moved from an affluent um, neighborhood to a secondary home that he has while waiting for the, the, the next move to shake out. During that time, there was multiple school changes. When they finally got to the school they wanted, he moved into um, the nicest house on the block, brand new, nicest house on the block. And he's worried about all these things with his kids and, and the school and everything. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, bro, I went to five elementary schools before third grade, right? I live with my grandparents, live with my aunt. Like, I lived all these places. I'm like, these kids are living in a fucking lap of luxury, right? Like, they're going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't fail as a parent. Like, you have the means, mm -hmm. right? You have the means. So this, you're, you're showing them something different because you have the means, right? It's like, if you didn't have a choice, your kids would have been like me. Moving around from house to house to school to school. I said, but don't beat yourself up, man. Right? Like, you have the means of you doing what you feel is right. But this isn't um, a situation where it's like you're going to fuck your kids up. Right? I don't believe that because, it, to bring my point full circle, what I would always do when shit got rough, I would re reference a part of my life that was worse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To justify yeah. you getting through that current moment. Right. Yep. Right. So what I'm saying is those kids, that them school movings, I'm not saying that's not a big deal, but that's the only thing they have to worry about. Is that what he was worried about? Yeah. Is that what's on this? I think I think one thing that happens, that makes me think of when I when I left my marriage. I was depressed in that marriage. 
And I was married to a fucking social worker slash therapist who was telling me I wasn't depressed. So that's one thing. Then I get out of it. And when I had to leave, I left everything, put all the stuff in the trunk that I could. And then I had to go stay at somebody else's house with my kids. So then that put me in a different state of depression because I went from being depressed into this marriage, now choosing to jump and be on my own. Now I'm beating myself, it's that self-talk. I'm beating myself up for now being in someone else's home, but I just left. You know what I mean? Like I just left, I just left. I, I, somebody was gonna have to help me in order for me to be, actually be able to leave because I wasn't in a position to just provide, provide like that. So I had to stay with my kids in somebody else's home you know what I mean? And then that brought up a different set of issues, feeling down, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, my kids, granted, are going to the same school still. They're doing the same activities. Nothing in their life has changed. But now, this ain't my roof, and we got to stay here right now. Yo, now I got to deal with this but, type of depression. So I feel like sometimes depression can can follow you. That's another thing, too, Prentice, that wow. you may have to keep into consideration when dealing with or speaking with your kids. This is probably the most, they've had to deal with instability. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that affects them too. Our last talk, episode we was talking about like um, justice and, and how these things you do impact him. Mm -hmm. He's also dealing with, he had shit. Like he was in Florida, right? He's yeah. now here. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Like, and I mean, granted, Sarai's been around for a while, but he's only been back for a little bit of time. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. So there's a lot of other things, a lot of factors, yeah. right, that you have to take consideration to. We all do. Yeah. Like, we all do. Like, even with my daughter, like, shit that they, she deals with that I didn't have to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Shit so it's wild. just different. And you, don't, and you don't think about it, man. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the most beneficial things we've done is Justice has gone to the same school. We still, you know, he was walking to school. We moved, move, moving back. Um, he's still, he's able to go to school for the first time with people that he sees outside of school. He's never- he's Close in proximity? Proximity in yeah. Florida. He was traveling oh, an hour and a half yeah. and doing all these different things. But it's important that, you know, we keep him grounded and give him a foundation that he hasn't had for the very first time in his life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so that that matters. Yeah, just so it just brought up another point. So when you were talking about like I didn't I didn't like I'm considering your trauma and justice being across the, across the country, and never put myself in his shoes. And it just brought me back to a moment with my daughter. So when her mom and I separated, I'm like, okay, cool. Let me let me get my my space situated so she has a space at my house. Mm -hmm. Mom, let me get her situation space so she has a space at her house. So in my head, I'm going, yo, everything is good. My baby girl is fine. She has a home here. She has a home there. All is well. So Pete, we go into the bookstore one day to go get, get a book. I'm like, baby, we'll get a book. I'm like, go get a book. And she drifts off into the kids section or whatever and she comes back with this book uh, it's called blended it's a little black girl on the cover with a little ponytail looks just like my daughter mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and um i ain't thinking nothing of it so she brings the book and on the back of the book it says uh, shout out to uh sharon draper the author it says i reach out and touch my father's hand i look at my pale fingers next to his daddy what sweetie do you think people will think i'm black or white when they see my daughter's black and puerto rican Am I black or am I white? She goes, his lips turn into the slightest of smiles. I can't tell if it's a sad one, though. He looks at me with his brightest brown, almost black eyes with, with thick lashes just like mine. Yes, is his reply. Yes. 
But on the inside of the book, it says, you're so exotic. You look so unusual. But what are you really? 11-year-old Isabella, whose father is black and mother is white, is used to those kind of comments, but it doesn't mean she likes them. And now that her parents are divorced and getting along worse than ever, which it was toxic, ticks was toxic for a while, Isabella feels like a push-me-pull-me toy being split between two homes. Being split between mom and dad is more than just switching houses, switching nicknames, switching backpacks, it's switching identities. If you're only seen as half of this and half of that, then how can you ever feel whole? Mm. And I never took into consideration the way my daughter was feeling with the whole shift because, you know what I'm saying, she does have different nicknames. We did do different book bags and all that shit. I, it never mm. crossed my mind. But then it's so it was just interesting to me to how she gravitated towards this book and we read it together and we talked about, you know, different homes and so on and so forth. But I think, to, to Belle's point, in the middle of our shit, we need to really dig deep into what our kids could be going through because you never even thought about the the, the, the trauma justice could have from going over there and being never, over here and bro. what's underlying never. you know you know what I'm saying so that's you're so concerned with providing and protecting and taking care of them that mm -hmm. you feel like if as long as you're getting your shit together your kids will be okay right and yeah. it's like you know what I'm saying he eats every day he got as a roof he got yeah, good clothes you know what I'm saying money, as long as we do this the kids is gonna be fine And but they're a whole ass human being yeah. <laughs> yeah, a whole ass well, a other person, emotions, yeah, that are all valid emotions that have that. been bottled up, and he finally, uh, you know, disclosed to his father. PPS. I think. How do you feel about it? I think having him watch that last episode might open his eyes to how, because like, you said a lot of impactful things in regards to relationship with him. I definitely let him hear. You know what I'm I know he I think, sneaks and listens. I think, listens I think to it could him. be beneficial yeah. for him to, to like to see that. Yeah, I, I definitely will. I think that'll be good. That's a good idea. I but will. Like the last episode that speaks to like our feelings not being considered as a child right true just the necessities were considered as a child mm -hmm. right right and right. that's essentially what you're doing you're referencing the necessities that he has so he should be good especially since you're getting you're in a better place right like mm -hmm. to your other so point crazy. he may not have ever known you weren't in a good place right right so now you're like well shit you got this you got that but he's like, well, dad always had that, mm -hmm. right? You were going through your shit. And this is, right. this is all of us have to deal with this. Like, yep. we project, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, you should be good because I'm good, basically. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like, and that's not fair. <laughs> right. As Brenda said, as simple as it sounds, he's a whole human being. He's right. like, a whole you ass know what person, I'm saying? man. A whole ass person who has all the things that we have. A whole ass person. And depending on how you raise, like, you know, my mother, uh, you know, is bipolar. Mm. So... Um, I dealt with a lot of challenges with that. Um, you know, I have a line in one of my new poems was like, I laid low until she refilled either her bottle or her patience. And writing that line made me think about how I normalized depression as a child. I knew when my mom, when she, when she couldn't afford a Prozac, I knew when it was low and she was splitting the pills because it was all in her behavior. Mm. It was all in her behavior. So I knew when to fall back because she just had an attitude and was hella mean. And I think what happened is sometimes our parents were depressed and because they were depressed, that made them feel like we really had no reason to be depressed. So that concept kind of can pass down to you. Oh yeah. You Good get point. what I'm saying? Good like yeah. you ain't gotta worry about bills. You ain't gotta worry about you ain't gotta worry about their fucking kids no, who do I worry. What I have to worry things. about my mom doesn't talk to me. Yo. She's mean to me. Listen, but, you, know what, you know what I mean? But you know, it's 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 when you're depressed, man, it's it's so easy to get inside yourself even more. You know, despite having to move on and keep going, it's so easy to be in your own little bubble to where you're not considering how your depression is 
depressing other people or affecting people you're responsible for. Peep the shit that you just said, though. How crazy is that? As a child, you had to be responsible for your mother emotionally. Wow, and and that's why I had to detach. But because this is this this is not just you. I don't remember the study, but it talks about black boys um, being the emotional crutch for their moms, moms specifically, right? Like how, and my wife and I, we talk about it. Like there's things that we had to manage emotionally as a child that weren't taught to us. Mm -hmm. But to your point, you know when the pills are getting low, right? So now what do you do? You alter your behavior, right? To make sure she's good emotionally. You want to know, bro, two weeks ago, I'm at the gym. I get a call from a doctor. The doctor says, can I speak to Prentice Powell? I'm calling on behalf of your mom. I'm like, this must be an error. Me and moms don't even speak anymore. Your mom wrote a very disturbing email to us, suicidal, saying she needs help. I'm at this two weeks ago. I'm at the gym, and I'm like, fuck. I got to leave the gym and go to my mama's house. She's not answering the phone, so they want me to do a wellness check before they call the cops. March 7th, 1989, I came home from school and found my grandmother dead in her home. Had to break the window. She was going through rigor mortis, all this shit. Driving over there, all I could think about was I hope this, driving to the same city, all I could think about is like, this better not be a reoccurrence of that moment. And it was March. This better not be, this, and it's March. This better not be a reoccurrence of that moment. You know what I'm saying? But here I am going to the aid of somebody who I don't speak to anymore and that I feel abandoned me. But here I am going still to show emotional support. So I knocked on her door. Banged on the door, and she said, who is it? And I was like, thank God. And I said, Mom, you need to get some help. She said, PJ, through the door. I'm like, fuck. So she's going to the window, and I couldn't, I couldn't get myself to look at my mom. I just couldn't see her because it, it was just too much for me. But I said through the window and the door, I said, Mom, I love you. You need to get some help. You need to take care of yourself. I love you. And I started walking down the stairs because she went to the door to open the door. And I just couldn't see my mom. And I walked down them stairs two weeks ago crying. And I said, I love you. And I couldn't even look at her. I said, I love you. Get some help. And I got in the car and I drove with my head down out of the parking lot because I didn't want to look up and her be at the the front door. And three hours later, I get a text message that says, I love you too. And for a minute, I remember I talked to you about it. I felt like here I was being the emotional support for my mom once again you know what i'm saying still having these feelings about not being supported myself um but it's an interesting thing when you can identify depression in other people know what that's like and despite what it does to you or what they've done to you you don't want them to feel that way so if i can tell her i know that i love you did everything i know that i love you did everything yeah. because she <clears throat> responded like a couple of hours later and i'm so grateful that despite what we've gone through i still have the emotional capability to show love when it's absolutely needed you know what i'm saying and i think sometimes in other people's depression well in in not other people but people in general sometimes that love for other people gets lost 
You know what I mean? Like sometimes we just go into ourselves and go into our own zone, man. So I, I say that all just to, to touch on what you said about feeling like you got to be there for your parents yeah. emotionally more than they're there for you emotionally. 100%. Cause they don't know how. That's what I said. And like, that's what yeah, I had to was, tell myself on be, the drive. That was going to be my next point. Like yep. being there, being there emotionally for someone doesn't also doesn't always mean that they're able to receive that. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And it makes it extra tough for us. In my case, because like I'm, I'm, we talked about it. You guys have told me like it's almost to a fault. Like I'm just caring and pouring and pouring and pouring, and people just, you know, may not be willing to receive it. And it's like, and fuck, it fucks you, you up. I think it fucks you up when you don't get it back. You know what I'm saying? I think I think it fucks. I think it really fucks with you when you don't get it back. But yeah, man, this depression thing is a it's a fucking monster. Yeah, man, there's a lot to unpack on what you said though about that situation with your mom. Yeah, because my question would be, if that love I love you did so much to help her, obviously she's still with us, so I, to get her out of that state, at least in that moment where the doctors were, were worried, what could it do if she felt that weekly? for her from you. what could it do if she felt that weekly from me from you i'm sure it could help so what's preventing you from doing that i have no desire to even though you know it can help even though i know it can help going back to our last episode when i was talking about uh me thinking about my father passes feeling like i'd be absolutely okay with it i'm okay with it and through this situation. So you, 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 willing, you willing to take whatever this is to the grave? Yeah. For my well-being. So here's, 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 the, here's my, from what I know of you, I 100% believe you in what you're saying right now, mm -hmm. but I also 1,000% know it's not going to go as you think it is. You may be right. With your okay right now, mm -hmm. and, you know, God forbid, with yeah, you yeah. being okay with that. Yeah, yeah. It is going to, it, it, it's, it's just, I mean, it's inevitable. You got a glimpse, thinking as a, on that drive of what was about to happen. Mm -hmm. And you were a wreck. And you didn't even have confirmation. See, this is the thing. I was on the phone with Sarai. I wasn't a wreck, though. I didn't want it to be the certain situation, so I had to get it out and verbally kind of say it to somebody but I, I I wasn't a wreck it's just not what I wanted you get what I'm saying I wasn't I wasn't crying and, 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 and panicking you were I was crying when you left huh you yeah. Yeah. I was about to cry two seconds ago. yeah I was I, I did you, cry when I left man you, you don't know if you saw it his eyes was bloodshot right I, I did I did cry when I left but I don't want to get off off track with the depression but I, it, I mean, we are still on track. Yeah. <laughs> right, very much so. <laughs> we are still on track, bro. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, depression is a bitch. It's a bitch. Yeah, but, I think, I think, I think it's depression. I think in this particular case, it's depression and ego. And ego. And ego. Possibly, yeah. And I, ego. I think I said that to you in a recent conversation. Yeah, we had. yeah, yeah. We talked about and that. ego. Yeah. Like, since we're talking about fifth, he um spoke about Amari Hardwick when he interviewed or auditioned, excuse me, for uh, Power. Shout out to my man, O. Yep. And um, he, it was, a, it was an interview and Fifth was like, uh, it might have been on, I don't know if it was on Pivot, but I, I don't know. Amari Hardwick was telling the story. And basically he showed, like Fifth handpicked him and he showed up for the joint. And he did well, but Fifth wanted him to really go in. And he didn't. So he called him. 
And he's like, look, man, they still want you to come back, man, but, you know, they're now considering other options. Like, so, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I need you to bring it, you know what I'm saying? And then Amari Harwick was like, well, if they feel somebody's better for the job, then so be it. And Phil was like, don't let your ego talk mm. you out of this job. He's like, don't let your ego talk you out of this job. So we all know what happened, right? He came back, killed it, and, and now still one of the, the greatest shows um, of our generation, right? Mm-hmm. And at least on a minimum on premium cable. So that that's the thing, man. I think as black men, we're very prideful to mm-hmm. a fault. To, to a, a fault, to man. A fault like for sure. I'm guilty of shit of that. Like, yeah, we all are. Like, I would say if I had to give the pecking order, it'd be you, you, and me, right? Like, like in terms of like how high our pride is, and um, and that shit. Think about it, man. Like, we lose opportunities because of pride. We lose relationships because of pride, man. We lose out on money because of pride. You know what I'm saying? Defense mechanism half the time. Yeah, because it's like definitely to be a defense mechanism. Yeah, it's it's it goes back to the disrespect episode we did a while ago. We feel disrespected. Yep. And I'm going to show you I'm not the one to be disrespected. Mm-hmm. And and however I can control that disrespect, right? I'm going to, whatever sliver that is, please believe I'm going to own that. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah show sign you. me up for that. Yeah. yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> right. Sign me up for that. That's what it is. And, it, yeah, and, it, and, and it's up fucked that. up. But that, again. And watch that's, how I kill this shit in right. silence. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, right. And, and myself <laughs> right. at the same right. time. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, man. my goodness. That's, 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 but that's, again, man. That's also learned behavior, bro. Like that's it also is. environment driven, right? Like family driven, like society driven. Like it's it's just again, I always go back to the the, the, the um one of my um my, my 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 good friends at work, man. He he asked me so genuinely. He was like, "Yo, why are black dudes always ready to fight when they get disrespected?" He said, "Why are they always so fast and ready to fight?" And I'm like, and it pissed me off at first, but then again, same thing. You had to think about it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's true. Like we're willing to die for our pride. Yeah, over some dumb shit. Over some dumb shit, man. Like, willing to die for our pride. Willing to take gripes and griefs to the grave over pride. Like, over shit that probably won't matter. And the, yo, and you know what's, what I mean, what's crazy about it is that I think even in in in, in our mature ages and and wisdom. When you answered it in the car, like I'm not afraid of shit getting out of hand, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, because it's the shit is gonna come to us regardless, and it has in life. Yeah, but we we are very we're intelligent enough to know how to avoid and evade these situations, right? But in some cases, it's like, nah, he about to get this. It's, yeah, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna show, I'm gonna show you, right? I can show you better than I can tell you, right? Precisely, but but it's not a, and it's not even a second of a thought about it. It's like, okay, right. this and is what, I'll, this I'll is what it me, is right now. It's almost like prideful for me. Like I'm like, man. I told my boss that. He sat me down, tried to get to know me. I said, first thing you need to know about me, man, is I don't care about it getting out of hand. <laughs> Straight up, that's what I said to him. I said, first thing, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't ever care about it getting out of hand. Like it can go whatever direction it need to go. And right? There's a little bit of liberation. Now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? yeah. But when they, but when they hear now. that though, so I, when, like I could just imagine when you hear that, it's like I tear all this shit up. <laughs> I fuck everything <laughs> up in like, here. Like, that's what you hear. Like, I tear all this shit and, up. And I'm sure he was like, but where the fuck is that coming from, bro? We at breakfast. <laughs> like, literally. You, you banging over job. Yeah, but I just need you to know. Because, yo, it's crazy, man, because I always think about that Willie D line, man, from my mind's playing tricks on you, on me. The Ghetto Boys. Shout out to the Ghetto Boys. Shout out. When he was, um, again, the mind playing tricks on you, he's like, you know, um, 
what do you say? Uh, I know the line. I'm trying to get the lead up, but um, basically, he was like, uh, "What he's the line I live by is, if it's going down, let's get it over with." It's going down. Like, let's get it over. With. That's how I look. That's how I look at it. And I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. I'm just telling you that's how I am. Well, okay. Is it the right way to do it? I don't believe so. I, I believe that's 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 a prideful statement. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Like, if it's going down, let's get over. Wait, why does it have to go down? Right. Because you disrespect me. You ain't listening to what the fuck right. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But why gonna, does it have to go down? You're like, going to know not to play with me. Right, right, right. Why can't it be another way? But that's why I'm, look, I'm looking at it. Like, I don't. So, 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 so that coupled with, I don't care about it getting out of hand. And if it's going down, let's get it over with. You know what I'm saying? It's like, bro, like, like why are you so angry? You know what I mean? Because we're programmed to fight. But that's, well, that's fight what back. Is it, is it back. Is it, is it, so fight in just the, the general sense, though. It ain't even got to be fight like. Fight back. I think fight back. I want to say fight back. back. I don't even want to say but, fight. But, but see, no, you say fight back. But I would argue that sometimes we fighting back to an unknowing opponent. Yeah. Right. Because of the feeling. Yeah. The, the feeling is familiar, right? The, All the feeling is the always emotion, the pride, yeah. the ego. Yeah. That about to fucking play with me. That's Man, what I'm saying. Oh, my like, God. Like, like that, again, I know I always go back to this example, but old boy in the elevator, he wasn't an opponent. <laughs> like, he didn't want no like, smoke, man. Like, but so, to you, so it was like, oh, it's about, oh, it's going down. I'm so upset. Story back for the, people so who upset. for the people who don't know. So, fellas, I walk. Bella and I are getting on an elevator at Prentice's wedding. We're going down to, to the first floor or whatever. And Bella and I just chopping it up. And the elevator opens. A dude on the elevator. Not a small dude. And I'm just like, good morning. He don't say nothing. He's so, so tired. So, I'm like, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, oh, good morning. And then Bell's like, what if that man don't want to say good morning to you? And I'm like, I was just saying good morning to him. That's all, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but that second good morning was like, motherfucker, yeah. you don't hear me talking? And we, yeah, yeah, and we, yeah. in, good a, we, we in close quarters. Right, so we in right. fucking elevator. You know, where he you know where that man can go. To get out of here. Yeah, but that's the thing. He was, I don't care about it getting out of hand on this elevator. You're going to say good morning to me. You know I don't give a fuck about him and my homie. Yeah, I'll throw you through this glass. thing, bro. Like, Maybe again because it's me and Pride, how I, I respond. If any of these gentlemen said good morning to me, I'd have been like good morning and just kept it pushing. But he didn't say nothing, and <laughs> I, I thought maybe he didn't hear me because you. I talk low sometimes. You do. You know what I'm saying. So you I do. thought he didn't hear me, but I guess the tone in which I said the second time was a little aggressive and it also disclaimed. I don't care nobody got a hand, but it fucking speak to me. Yeah, and but that's the and yo, I'm telling you, man, like little shit bro little shit like i sent y'all the clip of me banging out 60 push-ups the other day mm -hmm. right to the group chat mm -hmm. and mac was like ain't no fucking lockout right yeah, so there's technically 32. <laughs> yeah so that's a strong 38. so i got pissed right <laughs> i got pissed when he said that <laughs> it was big man but i didn't but but i well, my response was about to be motherfucker you, you're not supposed to lock out outside of um max sets Right. right, if you bench max and you got to lock out, anything else as a, as a rep, like they tell you, don't lock out, especially leg press, all that shit, don't lock out. So that's what I was gonna, I was, I was gonna say something to the effect of, show me a trainer that tells you to lock out, mm -hmm. right, when you have weight on and shit like that. But I didn't. I took the high road. I just gave the uh, the Jada Kiss line, right? No lockouts. The game don't stop. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that was me, not <laughs> letting my pride get in the way, because I responded. So that made me feel better. The circumstances was different. So we, you, you did, the circumstances different because it's one of the homies. So you did ask me, like, if it was a black dude in the elevator, would I have responded the same way? Mm -hmm. And I think I would have. I don't think so. I think I would have. I don't think so. Not, not, I don't think you, would, you, would, you wouldn't have responded because he, he, 
here's what I think. I don't think you wouldn't have had the same um, feeling. I think you would have gave him more grace. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. I think you would have gave him more grace. Yeah. I think, so. I, I think I, he would have so. got the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And maybe that second good morning wouldn't have been as forceful. Because he, he would have gotten got a second good morning. He I know he would have. I don't think you would have changed the words. I think tone. you would have changed the tone. And, and the feeling would have changed. <laughs> Maybe this is me trying to fight the fact, but I don't feel like it was that aggressive. Really no, it was, it, was ag- it was aggressive, bro. Like, there's no two ways about it. Like, because you, you know, it was a dad tone. Like you said, it was your dad tone. It was your dad tone. Well, well, I, I, so, question for you guys. So, he, 50 says in, the, in, the, um, in that interview, you know, um, that a lot of people can't afford to be de- depressed. Mm-hmm. So, my question to y'all, do you feel that you can afford to be depressed? And if so, what's the cost? That's a great question. It is a great question. So I can, I, I, so to answer your question, I, I don't know if I can answer the question, but what I do know is depression is expensive. Mm. However, however form you want to look at it, monetarily, physically, emotionally, depression is expensive. That's a good point. You know what I'm saying? It is taxing on, in, in all phases. I can't afford it because I can't afford to be depressed. Elaborate. So, I can't afford to be depressed to a point where it's debilitating. Mm. For me, in my life, in my circumstance, I can't, like, I'm not at a place, like, I have to work to still make money, right? I'm not at a place where I can sit back and be okay. You know, and not to say that someone who can sit back, you're not okay, but financially, right? Like, financially, you know, I gotta work, so. If I'm depressed too long and it, and, it, and it hinders my ability to earn, literally expensive, everything changes in my life. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced your depression getting to a point, or is that something you tell yourself in order to not get there? Yeah, that's, yeah, like the three times, remember how you said you, you, you don't know if you can reference three times? The reason why I can speak to those three times so vividly, because every time, Whatever the situation was that got me depressed, I ended up exponentially better. Exponentially. First time I got my spot taken by a freshman, right? I come out of that shit and end up being top 30 in the country. Busting their ass. Right? Second time I got put on a performance plan at work. Uh, Got my shit together, got a promotion, a new job, then became a director, right? And this is the third time. So I remember it vividly because I remember the 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 the, the success thereafter, right? Where, you know, the quote I say a lot of times is, you know, everybody wants the glory, but not everybody wants the story. You know what I'm saying? Like they want to be Prentice Powell on stage and you you on national TV. Right. They don't want but but, but would would they be willing to deal and sacrifice with all the shit you had to sacrifice to get there? You know what I'm saying? So I, I'll say I can't afford it. Not that it's it's um, something that won't happen to me, mm-hmm. but I can't afford to allow it to to control me. Mm. You know what's crazy, Pete, is when he, when he was talking about, you know, everybody wants to be Prentice Powell, don't want the story of Prentice Powell. What's crazy is sometimes, like, from what I know, you and I typically write about our experiences, yeah, about yeah. our lives. Yeah. But people still don't feel like, they think it's like we're just creative people and just like we're able to just write stories. Put words together. They don't yeah. put it. They don't think it's like attributing. It's coming from a, like a genuine and natural place. Yeah. And it's a lot yeah. of I statements in the poetry or whatever, but it doesn't feel like it's 
a personal story. You know what you gotta do too. You gotta because be... you guys are so fucking creative. Right. That's what it is. And that's, that's what it. A... And what that does is it provides a smoke screen for your depression. Yes. Wow. Yes. It de- provides a smoke screen. So what happens is in this art form, but good father doing good father on Arsenio Hall changed my life. That is the most depressing mm. work I have ever written in my whole entire life. I've, I've seen you do it a million times, and I remember maybe a couple different occasions. Like you get to the end, and it's like you ready, like you're crying. Like yeah, it's, like, bro, you know it's, it's real, right? right? But what happens is that applause and whatever positive emotion that comes back from the outside world. Is what tells you maybe you're not depressed. Maybe you're okay. Mm. So the people like my let work, me let me bad. articulate another point of pain right now. Let me get some applause. Okay, I so can do this. A couple a little bit. So next thing you know, I got a whole ass list of pain ass painful poems that people are paying me for now to fly across country. People are putting me on TV for now. People are writing articles and blogs talking about how talented and wonderful I am. So, hmm, this is the angle right here. That is the craziest shit This is the angle right here. If If I write about my pain, I can get it off my chest. People applaud. I can do it again. People applaud. I'm making some money now. And I'm recognizing it. And I'm recognizing exactly. So that's where, where it's like, oh, I'm better. No, we're not supposed to live in a cycle of pain. Right. Y- and you get what real, I'm saying? It's, it's literally just reopening wounds every time we perform. Every single time, but every <laughs> time. Every I still do good father and I'd be mad than a motherfucker now. I, I feel better. I feel like it's helping people, but now I be you don't think it's a little bit different now because he's there, so it's, it doesn't it doesn't, have to, it doesn't carry that same emotion. No, it does. Does it? it now it carries a. a no, it, um, ha- it has. Never mind. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, it carries a type of resentment in mm. it. I'm okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm okay because I'm not living it no more. No, no, yeah, yeah, but it's I, harder I, when you live in it. I, it's a rhetorical question because I just like I got emotional when you were talking about it being across. So I know it's. I know it, it works with you. Mm-hmm. Yo, I think this. Um, I don't want to be abrupt about it, but I feel like I'm. I'm happy we kind of transitioned into a, a lighter, a lighter space. We're able to get a couple of good jokes at the end of a you know a episode about depression. You know what I'm saying? So I think it'd be a good place to kind of like shut it down, take a deep breath. Like, yeah. So we don't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. like, have you guys ever been to the African American Smithsonian DC nah. museum? It's super dope. Um, did you go with me? I don't think I'm not. There's a lot of struggle like, story in there. Maybe I'm thinking Man. one in Brooklyn. There's one in Brooklyn too, right? Maybe I'm not yeah, sure. The, 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 the DC one is like the the big, right, the right. huge one. Anyway, the first floor is like all like the slave passage, all of that stuff, and it's heavy. So I say, like at the end, they tell you there's like a beautiful waterfall when you finish on the first floor, because uh, every floor is a is a um, time period. Uh, and um, I never made it past the first floor, but they tell you like when you go through, sit at the waterfall. Do you start at slavery? You can start wherever you want. But history in there, does it start? The, the way it works is it goes from the bottom to the top. And the bottom so is 1800s, slavery? yeah. And, it, and you go up. And it gets like, even on the bottom, it gets to Emmett Till. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But um, they tell you, my point is they tell you to sit, sit down at the waterfall, just decompress basically, mm-hmm. right? And taking, I feel like this is one of those episodes where it's like, we got to like, Come down, you know what I'm saying? Like, ending abruptly is fine. I'm just saying. No, no, that's that's even when we turn the cameras off, it's like it's still gonna. Yeah, it's a great parallel because my my homie, uh, my homie, shout out to uh, D Mills. 
he just went to Africa and, and went to like the door of no return, the door where like all the slaves went and got on the boat and then come back. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And, he, and I was like, yo, how was that? It was a cool experience. He was like, dude, this shit was so. Like, what country was, so was that in? It's in Africa. It's in. Uh, Africa's a continent. I know. It's in. Uh, it's in. Uh, in Cape Town, South Africa. I want to say it's in Cape Town. I want to say it's in Cape Town. Or I don't know. What's the one further south? South Africa. It's Cape Town, South South Africa. Yeah, Cape Town, South Africa. Yep. That's you know what? One thing I will say, just to add, our history is fucking depressing. Our fucking um, and, and so the reason why I ask you if it started at slavery is because all of our history here starts at this slavery shit as if we did not exist prior to that. And I feel like it would help our depression on a certain level as far as our culture and history here in America if we went back further than fucking slavery. Because yeah. if you think about it, I haven't been too pressed about going. I, I'm going to go to the Smithsonian, Smithsonian, but it sounds like a bunch of struggle-ass stories. No, but that's how it starts, but then it goes up to the top, and you start seeing about all the shit, the great shit we did, mm -hmm. and it's built like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it tells a story. I get it. I just yeah. wish slavery wasn't always at the beginning, because that's just naturally depressive to me. Like if You want to go back to when we were kings. It, yes, and, yeah. everything. Like, if... if Hearing about my history, starting at getting snatched up and taken from my family, beat, uh, how uh, in the Atlantic Ocean, did you guys know the sharks naturally started creating different uh, uh, swimming patterns based off of following these ships during the Middle Passage? Like, sharks migrated to certain different areas in the country or in the world due directly to the, the Atlantic slave trade being, yeah, and the bodies that were being dumped, which yeah. is crazy. So... You know, I just wish sometimes that, you know, in order to help our depression overall, we were given stories to where slavery occurred at some point in our history, not the beginning. That's yeah. a whole nother story yeah. that we could talk about a different no, time. No, that's fair. But that goes back to being resilient. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And even even, the, even the, the, the museum. It's in Ghana. Sorry, I had to. I, I swear to God, I was going to say Ghana. I was going to say Ghana. Um, even the, the um, reason why I knew that, because I'm watching uh, Snowfall. And I still gotta watch that shit. Africans actually would enslave their own people. They would yep. sell their people to slavery. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm so but anyway. Um, um oh, the the, the way is it, it's a story of resilience. The mm -hmm. way the museum is set up is a story of resilience, you know what I'm saying? So it's just uh, it's it's heavy, it's deep no matter what. Which is why we need to stop. Shut it up. Final thought. <clears throat> I want y'all listening to um, take a moment to be honest with yourself, to uh, assess how you're feeling, to assess if you have anything going on in your body, in your energy, in your system that you need to address to know that there is absolutely nothing wrong with being depressed. I think the wrong, so to speak, would only be in allowing yourself to stay that way. And I know it gets confusing and it gets frustrating and it's easy to justify or normalize depression. But I want you to understand that it does not have to be a part of your life and it can be repaired and it can be fixed. Um, but you have to find a way to identify it. We don't know what we don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I say listen to your people. Pay attention to your own patterns. When shit starts to feel uncomfortable, maybe just do a little bit more dissecting. Don't just mm -hmm. brush it off as, you know, a part of the day or whatever. See if there's some triggers behind it. And, if again, like P said, if you can identify it, the sooner you do something about it, 
the better chances you are of, of, of getting yourself back to a healthy state. Hell yeah. My final thought is it's a luxury to be able to talk about depression as we deal with it mm. and our friends deal with it and people we know deal with it. That I agree with. For sure. There's people who don't have that opportunity any longer. This is a luxury. You know what I'm saying? Like there's some people who have succumbed to their depression, mm -hmm. right? And they're no longer here. So I, I do, I, I want to make that clear. Like, damn, it's a luxury to talk about it's depression. It's a luxury to talk I about depression. I agree with that. Yeah. So that's my final thought. It's a luxury to talk about depression. That's what's up. Well, I appreciate y'all boys again, man. It's, it's good ones. Yeah. We rolling, we rolling, baby. All right, man. You can find us on all social media outlets at All Black Men Need Therapy. Um, hit us up on, at Gmail at allblackmenneedtherapy at gmail.com. We now have a voice line. Hit us up on the voice line. Leave us some comments, concerns, some questions, something you want us to talk about. We might just play it on the air with us one time. You get to hear your voice on the podcast or whatever. We What's will the play number? it. What's the number? The number, the number is 860-410-6160. Say it again. 860-410-6160. Hit us up. And per usual, y'all, do us all a favor and hug a black man today. If you don't hug a black man after this one about depression, something Word. is wrong with you. Do it. And tomorrow. You heard me. Do it. We out, y'all. Peace. Peace.